Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can bear with me during this episode because I have I'm about 12 hours off a just mad writing session and I didn't get to sleep until like I don't know 7am so it's <laughs> a long one. Uh, the words of public enemies Chuck D bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've all had a good week. I've had a reasonably productive, uh, productive week. Yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty good so far. Um, digging digits obviously uh, dropped on Tuesday. If you haven't go, uh, if you haven't peeped that, go peep that. Uh, this is obviously dropping on Thursday, and we also have episode two of In Search of Source uh, dropping on Friday afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, in the afternoons, basically, you know, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Uh, British summertime, and then you can, if if you're in a different time zone, then fi- go figure it out. Because I know my time zones. Have you? Ever, are you in this? I feel like I'm in the minority when when it comes to time zones. Like I actually know people's time zones outside of mine. You know what I mean? It's like it's. I feel like people only know time zones uh, when they're going to that place, like on holiday or business trip, or whatever. Like obviously, you have to know. But past that as like a you know general knowledge just stuff in your head nobody actually clocks it you know nobody actually knows time zones that as as, as much as um as much as i pride myself on doing i, just, I don't know I'm, I'm being weird but anyway yeah it's been a it's been a productive week it's been, it's been a long one as well just uh just doing stuff and uh obviously ryan session last night and yeah that was that was fun that was so fun uh no i, I do i do enjoy the writing sessions i, I do enjoy just locking down just i don't know i like to have uh, the tv on in the background as well so I'd, uh, i was actually watching um <clears throat> i was watching the uh, nba games opening nba uh, opening night was last night and yeah man it was it was good so i had that i had that on one half of my laptop and uh and my my script on the other side so that was uh that was kind of that was kind of cool uh it's re- i haven't done that in a while <laughs> uh but yeah no it's been it's been an okay week I, I, i've all had a good week but anyway uh, we have a full docket today. Well, it's always four. I don't know what I mean by full docket. By that I mean I have uh, two live topics, uh, one sports and one film or TV. I've actually already mentioned the sport, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that in a bit. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, no, nothing, nothing much more to say. So let's get into the show. Formalities. Obviously, before we begin, we have the email, with the Facebook, with the IG, and we also have the Twitter as well. If you want to hit me up on any of those, feel free. Thank you for listening, thanks for the support, thanks for continued support on this show and also on the other two shows under the 5EPN. And that's pretty much it. So, without further ado, let the beat drop and let's get into the show. In a week where politics is fucked, and that's pretty much all I... That's pretty much all I put for that. Like, I, 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 there's, too, there's so much. There's been so much politics going on in the past week that I just can't. I just can't keep up. Um, we in the UK here. We're obviously uh, less than ten days away from uh, from you know the exit of uh, of uh, October thirty first, 
uh, I, d- I don't know where it's going to go. I, I really don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if we're actually going to leave or just extend. This probably will be extension because, you know, they get, they're given in these withdrawal agreements and, you know, contrary to popular belief, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the, the withdrawal bill hasn't gone through. Uh, the last night, I think it was last night, last night as of this recording, uh, the House of Commons voted for a second reading, and that was actually the first, excuse the plane, that was actually the first win, technically, that uh, Boris Johnson has had in his, uh, in his tenure as uh, Prime Minister. He's lost every other one, <laughs> and, it's, uh, and it's, it's nearing double digits in the amount of L's he's collected, but uh, yeah, they, they, can, they count this as a win. As if, like, you know, the, the bill has been accepted and, like, it's going to happen. It's not. It's they're, in, they're only just accepting it f- so they have more time to read it properly because the bill is just stupid long and they only had, like, I don't know, 48 hours or something like that to read it all. And it's just illogical. It really is just illogical. Like, why would you... What's the point in that? And, yeah, there's obviously, obviously uh, the impeachment inquiry for Trump that's continuing. Uh, if you want to understand that, if you want some... Uh, you know, a grasp for that. There's actually a great podcast uh, that's uh, dropped, dropped recently, tailor-made for it. Uh, it's by uh, Vox Media Podcast Network, uh, Ezra Klein's hosting, and it's called Impeachment Explained, and it's uh, very fascinating. Uh, I think, I, I don't know how often it's going to come through, maybe, I think, probably probably once a week, but uh, yeah, the first episode dropped last week, and it's highly interesting. It just really breaks it down. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, so if you want to understand that kind of stuff, uh, Impeachment Explained, I uh, highly recommend that. And, yeah, and obviously uh, in Canada, Justin Trudeau won his uh, one for re-election. Uh, I think he has a minority government, though, so I guess it's not the, you know, the best of, uh, the best uh, possible result. But it's a, it's a, he's still in power, so that's, uh, I guess, uh, good or bad, depending on where you are, but yeah. Put simply, politics is fucked. And uh, one more uh, for you. Uh, this is actually this actually dropped recently. I think today, as I woke up, a man is arrested in Essex after police finding thirty nine bodies in a lorry container. That is, that's a that's a silly that's a silly big headline right there. And uh, yeah, so we shall see how that comes uh, comes about in terms of who it was in the container. Um, I think it was uh, probably. Uh, most likely immigrants, I think, in terms like you know trying to illegally get in, and uh, but yeah, uh, don't don't take my word for that. That's probably that's a complete guess from my part. I haven't read the article, but yeah, uh, that's crazy. But anyway, we shall get into the t- first topic of the day, and uh, we're gonna start with life, and this is about Meghan Markle. Now, just to just to say my piece on and I've, pro- I've probably already talked about the royal family in some capacity on this show uh, if not on the podcast definitely on the radio show iteration of what's good um i'm i'm, I'm not interested 99 percent of the time i'm not interested in the royal family uh, i just i just don't really i don't really care you know they don't really have any bearing on my life they're they're, they're, they're figureheads at this point in time. They're, they're 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 footnotes in history, and yeah, just basically, in my mind, just uh, just just figureheads for tour for British tourism. You know, it's pretty that's pretty much uh, all it is. Actually, you know, I saw a video a few years ago where the question was asked. You know, are we are we paying? You know, are we paying the royal family to be the royal family? And the short answer is no. I mean, we obviously tax 
taxpayers give money to the royal family, but they actually give back much more in in uh, in uh, what's the word there? in in the form of like a tourism and uh, stuff like that. So uh, they 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 do a lot for the economy, but we obviously just you know see our taxpaying money go go to them, and we're like nah. And then people, uh, working class people, raise the fist, going like, why are we giving these people money? But um, yeah, most of the time I don't really care for the royal family. I just I just I just don't care. They they have no bearing on my life. Uh, I don't re I really really don't understand everyone. Uh, you know tabloid media and also America media. Uh, their their fixation with the royal family is very troubling. <laughs> it's, it's it's very creepy to be honest. Especially when there's a royal wedding coming about. It's it's, it's creepy how America is so into it. It's just ugh, don't don't understand it. But um, but yes, uh, in this case, I wanted to talk about Meghan Markle specifically, um, simply because there was an interview uh, recently. I think it was via ITV, and. Obviously, recently she and Prince Harry have sued several tabloids uh, 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 for. Well, I think they'll they'll come into the they'll probably come into the article, so I won't spoil it. But yeah, they're suing several uh, tabloids, and in the interview, uh, like a one to one, Meghan Markle had with a with a uh, f- uh, I forgot the dude's name. Uh, see if I can find it. Tom Bradbury. Tom Bradby. Bradby of ITV. Um, he basically asked her if she's okay, and she clearly wasn't like she looked like she was hanging on a thread mentally and it's just it's really you probably have seen the video and it's very heartbreaking to be honest and I just thought I'd talk about that because um yeah it's just uh it, it, not the video itself but just the whole thing the whole whirlwind around Meghan Markle and just how British media and uh, British tabloids have just absolutely since day one been firing shots at her and it's just unnecessary but anyway so the article in question uh, I'm going to talk about here, or talk uh, or, or read here, is uh, Megan just wants to be treated fairly by the press, and I don't blame her. This is by uh, Jane Martinson of via the Guardian here. So let's get into it. Uh, Once upon a time, there was a beautiful little girl who grew up in a sunny place far, far away. This little girl grew up thinking that with passion and hard work, she could change the world. Then one day, she met a prince and fell in love, and everyone thought she would live happy ever after, especially her. It was hard not to watch, uh, not to watch Sunday's ITV interview with Meghan or the Duchess of Sussex in our fairy tale version, and not feel sympathy for a woman who has found herself alone with a new baby, new baby in an alien environment. After all, the year after having your first child is a challenge for most mothers: soreness, lack of sleep, loss of self. The list goes on. Most of us keep it together by binging on crap TV while reminding ourselves as we slap frozen cabbage leaves on our boobs uh, just how lucky we are. And we are, of course, so, so lucky. Then a friend or colleague stops and asks how how we are, you know, how we really are. And we have a bit of a weep and apologise for being self-pitying and ridiculous and carry on. It felt like that moment when Tom Bradby, the TV, the TV presenter and friend of the princes, asked Meghan how she was towards the end of a documentary about her, their royal tour of Africa, and she welled up. Quote, thank you for asking. Not many people have asked if I'm okay, but it's a very real thing to be going through behind the scenes, unquote. Some people will sneer and suggest that a wealthy woman should not complain, especially when she is on tour in a continent where, in some areas, there is such poverty. But do we want to live in a world where, in which pain is a competition and the royal family is just TV drama, not a group of real people? And for those who think her friends with the Clooney's life must be perfect, 
she suggests few people can understand what is really what is really like behind the scenes. Whatever the rights and wrongs of the monarchy, as far as I'm concerned, they could all move abroad and just leave us the queen. It occasionally, it does occasionally highlight the truths about the world. Most women who go through personal upheaval, family upset, and childbirth are not followed by cameras and accused of jeopardising the future of the monarchy. Within hours of the interview airing, Mail Online uh, had warned that Meghan was, quote, damaging to the royal family. Uh, damaging the royal family. Some of the criticism of Meghan has been outright racist and sexist, smacking of distaste for the black woman who dares to email her highly paid staff out, uh, out of hours. Told by quote-unquote British friends that the tabloids would destroy her life, Meghan blamed herself for being naive and American and not believing them. Quote, I know that I never thought, never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair, unquote. I have no sympathy for the view that journalists should be should not be allowed to ask the royal family or anyone else whatever questions they like, as long as they are fair. But paying the person who walked her dog, uh, pestering family members who didn't bother coming to her wedding, is that fair? The issue of fairness has become a legal one. The couple have launched an unprecedented legal challenge against three three Brit, uh, biggest British newspaper groups, DMG Media, News Group and The Mirror Group. And Sunday's uh, Sunday night's interview suggests that the, suggests this row will not end soon. Stretch across this cultural and social chasm, Meghan admitted that she really tried to adopt this British sensibility of a stiff upper lip, but deep down she thinks that quote what do, what that does internally is probably really damaging unquote. She does not want to ignore the publication of a private letter, and really, why should she? In his own interview, it was clearer than ever that Harry will not let this lie. In fact, he would rather take on take on his own family than let it do so. The relationship between the press and the royal family is often called a game, one, one that Harry's mother Diana knew how to play, quote-unquote. But it's not a game to him. He, consider it, he considers it the thing that killed his mother. No one, gets a fairy, no one ever gets a fairy tale ending, but the tone of this story really needs to change. So, there's obviously... A lot of angles to go about this. Um, if you look at it from Harry's uh, point of view, it's obviously extremely serious, and I could completely understand that. From obviously just taking out the Diana part, um, which is obviously his mother, um, that's something that is just complete common sense. You know, it's just a matter of um, that there is a there's a there's an innate celebrity nature towards the royal family. One that, again, I don't really understand or care for, but it is still a celebrity uh, uh, tinge to it, nevertheless, of just constant news items about, oh, Harry wore this on, on, on the trip to Africa, or Meghan's wearing this, and, you know, constant fashion uh, popping shots and stuff like this, and scrutineering and criticizing it's just a lot it's just ugh. it's just unneat it's just unnecessary to be honest but when you obviously add on the fact that diana uh, princess diana obviously died uh, and then part of that was obviously due to well not the not her death but um i guess her i guess her uh, uh the making of her was very media driven you know every every tabloid was going for Diana in terms of just trying to cover her, uh, whether it be negative or positive, and it's just, a, that's just a lot, that really is just a lot, and obviously Harry's going through a similar thing, 
and her his wife Meghan Markle was going through pretty much the exact same thing in an even worse capacity and with more weight to it, more cultural and social weight to it, considering the fact that she is a mixed race person and also American. That that that's a lot of weight. That is a lot of weight to add up. And I I I I hold complete sympathy for Meghan Markle. I mean I mean I I <laughs> I I I do I, I I will say this I did initially like question why would she do this you know because I you know I, this is just me this is just my opinion like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be a royal family member uh, and and having to ditch basically you know your most of your life beforehand because remember before she, before she was the Duchess. Of, the Duchess of Sussex, she was Meghan Markle, this, uh, you know, alright actress, um, who did a lot of work for uh, women's rights and, st- and, and stuff like that, you know, a lot of philanthropy as well, and a lot of activism. Um, I think uh, before her, mar- before, you know, the marriage came through, there was like a video swirling around, like she was at a, uh, she was at like a, a women's, uh, international women's conference or something like that, and she was talking about that kind of, uh, she was talking about sexism, and it was very powerful, and now she 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 can't exactly do that. She has to, you know, uh, she has to do these royal duties. And I'm just like, mm, uh, I think I think one thing uh, is more important than the other. That's just, but that's just me, of course. I'm just saying. But yeah, this whole thing is practically kind of disgusting. Um, I I just I just really can't. I do understand why British tabloids and not even British tabloids as well, British media, people like Piers Morgan and stuff like that constantly popping shots. I'm like, bro, what is your deal? <laughs> what is your beef with this woman? Seriously, the pro- I will get into it. Why not? There is a, there is a. Uh, I had a. There was like an American friend who asked me, uh, "What is you know, racism like in the UK?" Um, and I said, it's very, it's very subtle. It's not open. It's not Donald Trump level open, you know, it's more microaggressions. It's more, uh, you know, it is much more, you know, just, just, just petering out of the ground, you know, and just like tripping you up now again with some bullshit, you know what I mean? It's not exactly punching you in the face like uh, America does, uh, or, shooting you in the face, basically, you know, as America does, putting very literally, um, and this is kind of it, this is a very, this is a very genuine side of it, where you can just, it's just a lot of dog whistling, and it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of microaggressions, and it's just, it's so, for me, personally, it's very easy to see, it's, 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 a, it's a been around the block a while, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so I do feel generally sorry uh, for, for Meghan Markle, considering that, you know, Harry can't relate to this. You know, she can't, re- he can't relate, he can relate to being a royal, and he can help her through that kind of side of it, but she, he can't help how her blackness is affecting these, uh, is, is triggering these people in the media, and tabloids, uh, or the, you know, the fact that she's a woman as well, and the fact that she's American, he can't help with that, he can't help with her, 
you know, seeing that and relating to it and learning how to top that and learn how to be above it all is hard. And uh, it's kind of, a, it's really a one woman job at this point. And uh, I, feel, I feel that's very unfortunate. But to be honest, I mean, I said it, I said it, I said it uh, during an in a week where oh, oh, a couple of episodes back or maybe last episode. These tabloids, these tabloids suck. They, they, they're trash. They have to go. To be honest, I don't really. Just plain fuck them. <laughs> to be completely honest. With you. So we move on to the next topic of the show, and it's uh, I'm, I'm kind of revisiting uh, something, uh, to a topic from a couple of weeks ago. So if you remember, uh, my school Stacey made a few comments about, well, a comment about Marvel movies, and you know, and, and just and all that. And in the aftermath of that, there have been several other directors of of high art and of re- and of genuine notes. Uh, that have been, they've basically been piling on and saying, you know, very similar stuff. Uh, Ken Loach, Ken Loach of all, of all people, was just like, has just come up to uh, talk about Marvel. I was just like, okay, that's, did, did not see that coming, but okay, I, I admire your, I, res- I respect your opinion, Mr. Loach. I, it was just, I was just very random, uh, a director of that, uh, of that stature and that placement of where he is in uh, the, in the film hierarchy. It's just, it's very fascinating. But yeah. Uh, after Scorsese's comments, there's just been a few more directors coming through and just saying pretty much the same shit. And uh, I thought I'd I thought I'd revisit it um, simply because I don't feel like I uh, I made the point I wanted to make previously. And the article I have here, which is kind of kind of definitive for me personally, that's kind of where I'm at and how I feel about it. And I thought I'd uh, just. Uh, I thought I'd just relay it to you guys. So, uh, and, and I think this is the opinion that most people should have. I mean, if you want to link, link this kind of thing to music, you know, there there is there is always, always, always albums for me and music for me where they where like this particular artist is always charting or you know and, this, and all that kind of stuff, and they 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 get all the numbers, and I'm just like, but that's not even like the best music though. That's really not, and it, 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 admittedly, it is a kind of uppityness. You know, I'm trying to, I've been trying to listen to more music in the past few years, as you, as most of you know, and you know, I'm just, I'm just seeing these, I'm just seeing these charts, and I'm like, that's not the best music yet of this year. I'm just saying, like, you should, you should, you should have a look at this and uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, when when someone uh, actually there was a. Re- uh, I actually did a, on the lighter note of digging in digits. If you want to go listen to that previous ep- uh, to the latest episode, I talked about this in a way where it was just like uh, people were talking about you know the year of music and then hip hop in general, and most people were going, "It's crap. It's been crap." And I'm just like, "It's not been crap for me," and it's kind of on you guys if you think the year is crap. Like if you if you just listen to whatever's on the charts, then of course maybe you're you're just you're you're holding your hopes on mainstream music and, and that's not healthy um that's just not that that won't that might not work for you uh, it might work some years it might work in other years but if you explore for yourself and discover for yourself then you every year is going to be great for you you know you just it's just more rewarding that's just my opinion but anyway i'm going on the tangent so let's just get into this article uh, in particular this is uh, by eric cone 
of uh, in uh, via IndieWire. Uh, Marvel movies versus cinema, why more Scorsese and others should sit out this debate. Uh, The Marvel Cinematic Universe has entered uh, entered intermission, so it would appear that our culture is filling the void by assessing the state of Marvel movies, or rather, the media has filled the void by assessing whether we should be assessing the state of Marvel movies, since this question has been thrust on us by an abrupt surge of backlash from major auteurs. Uh, while the starting point for this debate, do Marvel movies qualify as cinema or just theme park rides in movie form, came uh, from an off-the-cuff remark by Martin Scorsese. Uh, today's polarizing internet-based discourse saw it as a battle cry. The lines have been drawn. Fandom arbiters Kevin Smith and James Gunn on one side, defending superhero movies for all their worth. Scorsese, Coppola and other aging auteurs on, on the other, decrying their vapidity. Vapidity? Vapidity? Vapidity. I know it's vapid, but vapidity? Probably like that. Um, yeah. First things first, it's time for a moratorium on cornering major directors whose work falls way behind, uh, way beyond Hollywood's purview, and asking them to assess Hollywood prod- assess Hollywood product that has nothing to do with them, brackets, alas, poor Ken Loach. Uh, however, at the root of this argument lies an age-old debate about the work of art in a commercial landscape, and whether or not some aspects of said art can survive under that constraint. As much as this argument may invite disdain from other, some members of the critical community, it stems from legitimate concerns, especially as Marvel movies make billions of dollars worldwide while major, while major filmmakers struggle to get their original visions made and seen. Having said all that, these are tough times for even-keeled assessments, but I'd like to suggest a radical proposal. Both sides are right. From a pure technological perspective, this debate was over before it started. Of course, Marvel movies are cinema. Their feature-length, narrative-based blockbuster experiences were precise characters and long-standing pop culture currency. At the same time, they clearly exist within a different category of cinematic expression one mandated by capitalist pressures above all else. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sh- wouldn't have a shot in hell at coming together in the first place. While Scorsese might, may not find uh, too much, uh, t- much to appreciate about Marvel storytelling mold, uh, the most appealing aspects of Marvel movies involve their capacity to go beyond the call of duty as it pertains to the soul-sucking blockbuster cliché. Iron Man works not because Tony Stark has a lot of fancy tech, but because the best movies in the series pair those visuals with whip-smart dialogue and gadget-based slapstick that owes more to quote-unquote modern times than other CGI spectacles. The joy of Guardians of the Galaxy stems from dopey chemistry between its space-faring adventurers uh, more than cosmic visuals accompanying, accompanying them. Uh, and that first hour of Avengers Endgame is probably one of the most costly studies of societal grief in Hollywood history. That's a great way. That's a great sentence right there. That's, that's a real great sentence. One, a one sentence review of Endgame that's, uh, of the first hour of Endgame. I think that's kind of perfect. Very very succinct. Uh, but these fragments are in. But these are fragments in a larger, busy tapestry. One that often doesn't work in individual ingredients so much as they so much as the way they speak to a larger whole. A true appreciation for Marvel movies involves serious investment in the way in which they've been engineered to tell one continuous story. No studio has ever pulled off the same storytelling achievement on that scale. To that end, we may have reached a breaking point in which the obvious definition of cinema requires a revision. Marvel movies are a kind of cinema, but they exist in a different category altogether from the ones other filmmakers consider their vocation. 
and that means there is zero sense in asking filmmakers from that other non-Marvel category to assess Marvel movies in any way that might reflect back on their own work. It's like asking Picasso to assess Banksy. One might have an opinion on the other's work, but it's hard to imagine why it would matter any more than one uh, anyone else weighing in. That's a great point. That's a great paragraph. We'll get back to that in a bit. Uh, of course, some uh, some aspect of the Marvel movie phenomenon stems from the desire to be taken seriously by certain facets of the film community, even as it entertains the masses. Scorsese and Coppola most likely have philosophical problems with the mandates driving these movies rather than the movies themselves. Hard to argue with those. But anyone paying close attention to the MCU can see visual visible attempts, usually by directors and screenwriters rather than the studio itself, to rise above the crass mould of big-budget mayhem and find some greater substance at its core. Uh, with promising new Marvel installments from the likes of Chloe Zhao and others in a pipeline, the quest to keep Marvel movies both pro- profitable and director-driven continues. Filmmakers will have plenty of opportunities to consider whether these movies actually deliver on the potential of the medium. The best filmmaking exists outside of uh, any preordained expectations, or at least transcends them, and the surprise of the MCU to date has been uh, that its best entries managed to go beyond the Call of Duty, generation, generating real depth and intrigue, even as they satisfy the bottom line. There's one more paragraph, uh, the point is pretty much made. But yeah, this is kind of it, isn't it? Of how, you know, they're not talking about Fast and Furious here, and I do wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, you know, at least Marvel movies have made a genuine attempt to be, you know, a wide-ranging tapestry where if you try and watch all the films, you'll you'll overwhelmingly benefit more uh, you know, uh, from from watching the uh, the Avengers series anyway. That's obviously where they all come together, I guess. But yeah, it's it's much more rewarding if the more you watch, the more rewarding it is to you. But even as standalone films, they're not, you know, they're they're generally decent blockbusters in in blockbuster cases. Um, Again, why aren't we talking about Transformers here? Why aren't we talking about Fast and Furious here? Where genuine franchises, fuck, you could even say Terminator at this point. You know, it's just, at some point, it does become a money grab now. That's not to say Marvel are not in it for the money. <laughs> of course, they're in it for the bloody money. But at least there is some artistic integrity and some actual trying on that front in terms of writing and directing and you know and visuals and everything. There's a genuine attempt there. Fast and Furious? Mm, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's just bare bones screenwriting and reliance on you know, on, on just uh, kick-ass action, which, you know, in my mind appeals to the lowest common denominator, and you can throw, ter- and you can throw no, no, don't throw Terminator in that, you can throw Transformers in that as well, okay, those I consider, those I consider, you know, Scorsese and uh, Coppola and that being completely right, but when we're talking about Marvel films, in my mind, I think it's a different story, because even though they're a juggernaut and obviously, uh, you know, they have such monopoly whenever a Marvel film's dropping, they're going to own that weekend fact, okay? It's just it's just going to happen, right? Even though that is the case, at least it's warranted from a genuine 
film criticism perspective. You can actually break it down and, you know, see some genuine artistic direction happening there. Nobody watches Hobson Shaw for the fucking for the fucking writing, okay? Nobody watches it for the storyline. Nobody watches it for the for the inner depth of the characters. No. You just want to see how the fuck did they do that uh that the that's that the scene in the trailer where like there's three cars hooked onto each other, which is also hooked onto a helicopter. That's that's the only reason I'd watch it. I just wanted to know how the fuck they did that. You know what I mean? So there's levels to this. There is genuine levels to this. So in my mind, I agree with Mr. Cone here. Both arguments are right here. Both are right. And I think that's what most people would say. Uh, I think that's what the majority of people say. You know, there's there's genuine concern here. There's genuine concern there. But what we can also say, to throw in another angle here, why, why, why aren't you going for the cinemas? Why aren't we going for the for the conglomerates here, you know, this has been my qualm for a while, you know, of having the fact that something like Moonlight could only have been made if it was in de- from an independent uh, uh, production company, those films ain't getting made by Disney, those films ain't getting made by Warner Brothers, you know, they have to be made via a independent body, and, you know, and it's the same with music, it's the same with music, you know. There, there are plenty. There are, you know, there are a few albums here and there that come out and they, you know, dominate the charts and they rightly deserve it because they're critically uh, worth listening to and artistically they are, you know, at the very height of what an artist can do in these times, right? Some, definitely not all. <laughs> you know, there, there, there are seven times out of ten. When I see a film uh, dominating the box office, I'm like, really, really? That, that's the that's the best film of, the, of this weekend. Well, is that worth watching? Okay, you know, it's it, it's just, it's just how it is. You know, the pop the popular stuff sometimes just doesn't just doesn't hit. But that's just a that's just I guess the gripe that obviously many auteurs and very and a lot of people who consider who consider high art, you know always worth watching and always think it's underrated which most of the time it completely is it's just how they feel and uh, I think this is just a you know a another chapter in the ongoing argument of what is I guess uh, you know why don't people value art more I guess it's, 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 a, it's a long going it's a long going argument and it doesn't just stop at Marvel movies I think Marvel movies is the wrong target here to be completely honest but uh, regardless of that I still understand the uh, the conversation being had here move on to third topic of the episode and it's sports and it's kind of why I really mentioned at the start of the show which is the NBA and I wanted to do some predictions because I enjoy doing predictions that nobody holds me to and I barely remember when it comes to finals time <laughs> or when it comes when it comes to playoff time I barely remember it <laughs> I never I never uh, actually hold myself to this shit but I just thought it'd be fun I just do it regardless so um so I'm I'm as well just go through in terms of awards first. I'm 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 just gonna do that first. I'm just gonna 
and just uh, go through awards and then I'll just go for I guess playoff seeds I'll, I'll keep that loose and then I'll just say who's going to be uh, conference champions and then who's going to be uh, the NBA champions so I'll just go through like that and if you want to hold me to it hold me to it but if, but none of you probably will because I ain't <laughs> that's just how it is but anyway uh, so let's start with uh, MVP. Now, this is a you can you can you can go for you can go a lot of ways ways with this. I'm um, seeing a lot of people go uh, for somebody like uh, James Harden because obviously it's James Harden. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people go for Steph Curry. The, you know what? The two people I'm seeing constantly is Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I completely understand why you'd pick the, one of those two. Um, obviously the landscape of the NBA in terms of teams have dramatically changed in this past summer. There are a lot of, um, I'm sick of this word being used, this phrase being used now because everyone's freaking using it. Dynamic duo. You know, is there any way we can say two people are good and they are together on the same team? Does it have to be dynamic duo every time? It's literally every time. Dynamic duo, dynamic duo. It's just doing my head in that that phrase should be banned from the NBA this year. But anyway, because of that, you know, you got uh, Kawhi and Paul George, Clippers, uh, LeBron, AD, Lakers. Uh, uh, God, I can't remember none of them now. <laughs> Damian Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum, uh, Westbrook, Harden. Uh, you know, Giannis and Chris Middleton is technically. A half decent duo right there. You know, that's, that's kind of how it is. Uh, you know, and Steph Curry. You know, most people would say Clay Thompson, but uh, reports are coming out that uh, he Clay Thompson might not even participate in this season. Uh, so if you drafted him in the fantasy leagues, <laughs> yeah, a good luck with that. A good luck with that stash. Um, so yeah, most people are thinking that because Clay is injured and because D'Angelo Russell isn't Clay Thompson and, uh, and Draymond Green isn't exactly the on- offensive beast uh, 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 like Steph Curry is. People were thinking that uh, Curry's gonna put Golden State on his back and just drop like forty a game, and you know that's that's a worthy prediction. And for me, I would probably say Giannis again, simply because I I just you know if Giannis was a beast last year, I don't really see how it could be any less so this year. Um, yeah, and uh, and also you could also say Philly as well as a dynamic duo as well, but uh, Ben Simmons can't shoot a three, so I don't really. <laughs> Anyway, I'll get I'll get to Philly in a bit, but yeah, I'll probably go Giannis for a, a MVP. That took way too long. Let me let me fast forward this. Uh, rookie of the year. Now this is obviously very interesting because uh, uh, as it is recording, and for most people, uh, people are hopping off the Zion train uh, because he has a, a knee problem and he's going to be out for a few weeks, and people are just going to think that's going to be his whole career now. Ah, uh, his leg shot. He's gonna he's never going to fulfill his potential now. Um, so people are hopping off the uh, Zion Rookie of the Year bandwagon, and to be honest, I was never really on it to begin with. Um, I didn't. I just wanted to. Uh, I, I personally, before I like to make predictions, I'd like to you know see at least summer league, uh, some summer league highlights. So I kind of went off that. Personally, I would go for John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies simply because uh, is with him and Jaron Jackson. Uh, I think that's a that's a also. Great budding duo right there, potentially. And uh, I think Jar is an absolute beast, uh, potentially. Um, I think he's going to put up good numbers. 
uh, I think rookie of the year numbers and uh, this is kind of obviously you're either when you're saying when you're saying either Zion or anybody else you're kind of saying that you're either banking on Zion to be healthy or Zion to not be healthy that's pretty much it and I guess I'm banking on Zion not to be healthy to be honest uh, but I th- truly think John Moran is a great looking player and I think he should get a, I think he'll get rookie of the year a shout out to Tyler Hero, a hero. Uh, Miami Heat, Mr. Buckets, gets Buckets, absolute beast, uh, potential beast, I, I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do for the Heat, um, six man, this is always hard, it's, it's always hard, I, I, I never really know where to go, um, I'll probably just go Lou Williams, that's very cop-out-ish, <laughs> cop-out-y, but I'm going to go Lou Williams. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm making these predictions off two games that have already happened, uh, Lakers-Clippers last night, and also uh, Toronto and, uh, who's the other team, uh, New Orleans. But yeah, that's, I'm not going to let that have, just so you know, that's not affecting my decisions here. I'm not going to watch one game and go, ooh, LeBron's MVP. No, no, I'm not, not going to do that. Uh, defensive Player of the Year, oh, very tough pick, very, very tough pick. I'm going to go Rudy Gobert. Um, I I just think he's an absolute G up in the middle, absolute G, and uh, there's there's you know defensively there's not many there's not many better there's not many better right now, and you know you can say Kawhi, you could even say Giannis, you could throw him in there, you never know what he can do defensively. Uh, he could if he really wants to, he could probably get it. Uh, he could probably double up and get MVP and DPOI possibly, but uh, nah, I don't think he will. But I think he'll be Gobert. Uh, pretty easily to be honest uh who else uh what other, what other awards are there coach of the year you know what i'm gonna throw in eric spolstra simply because i think people are really sleeping on the heat you know obviously they have jimmy butler now who's uh who's leading the squad but other than that they have a lot of you know, a lot of B players, you know, Hero is a rookie, Justice Winslow is trying to learn to be a point guard at the same time as being a guard and a small forward, officially, uh, Dion Waiters is bitching and moaning at the moment, uh, James Johnson's apparently fat, uh, Bam Adebayo's a beast, potential beast up, uh, up down below, but uh, yeah, and obviously Derrick Jones Jr. is an absolute airplane, up in the air, absolute dunk machine, God, that dude is so exciting to watch. But yeah, I think uh, I think Spoltra is Spoltra is a very underrated coach, and I think they I think wherever if the Heat make top four in the Eastern Conference, um, I think he will get coach of the year because I don't think anyone logically expects that to happen. Um, and if they make any anything above that, I think it's a lot for coach of the year to be honest. Um, because there's a, there's a lot of teams where I think they uh, there are a lot of teams where I think they. Um, there are a lot of shoe-ins for playoff uh, positions, and I don't think no one's going to be surprised of most of them, except for someone, uh, except for someone like the Heat, for a team like the Heat, and someone like Eric Spolster as coach. So I'm going to go Eric Spolster, coach of the year. Um, who else is there? I don't think there's any other awards, is there? I don't think there is. I should really check. I should know this, but <laughs> but I'm going anyway. Uh, playoffs. All right, let me look up these. Uh, let me look up these. Uh, this conference, these conferences right here, right quick, because uh, I, I just need to. I just need to see all the names, and you know, honestly, the 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 list 
the list of potentials is horrible. It's, it's horrible, especially in the uh, especially in the Western Conference. It's actually disgusting how wild that that conference is. Okay, so I, I'm no particular order. I don't want to rank them to be honest because that's just going to take me too long. Um, Clippers definitely, Nuggets, Rockets, uh, Trailblazers. That's four. <sighs> Jazz, Lakers. That's six. Seven and eight. Oh, that's so hard. Wow. You can throw Mavericks there. Pelicans, depending on, you know, there's a lot of, there's no A player for the, for the, for the, for the Pelicans. I'm not really sure on that front. Kings, you know, De'Aaron Fox is a beast, but um, past that, I'm not really into it. I'm going to throw in Mavericks and... Spurs as well, but I, I don't know what Spurs are going to do now anymore. Honestly, um, I think I think Greg Popovich is on like uh, just autopilot to be honest. Oh uh, goddamn! And also the CP3 at the Thunder. You never know how how that would happen. Carl Anthony Towns at the Timberwolves. Right, so Clippers, Mavs. I'm going to put them in there, lock them in. Nuggets, Rockets. Trailblazers, Warriors, Lakers, and did I say Jazz? Did I say Jazz? I think I, if I didn't say the Jazz, then the Jazz. That's, I think that's eight. Let me let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's I think that's I think that's okay. Yeah, I think I'll go for that. Clippers, Mavs, Nuggets, Rockets, Trailblazers, Jazz, Warriors, and Lakers. Yeah, I think that's a good day right there. I think that's a I think I think that's pretty logical, and you know I think you'll. I don't I don't really know who you can't. It's hard to rank them honestly because they're really they're all really really good. Uh, you know, except for, except for maybe the Mavs, they'll probably like sneak into the eight and really be in a dogfight for it. But yeah, past that, pff, it's a crapshoot for any, for whoever's going to be there. Um, Eastern Conference, I think it's very very much easier. I'm going uh, Raptors, uh, Raptors, Heat, Bucks. Uh, Celtics, seventy <sighs> sixes. I just don't rate the Nets at all. I really don't. I really don't rate the Nets. Uh, Pacers, Pistons, Magic. Oh, it's either the Magic or the Nets. The Magic look pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Like just. You know, there's a lot of players that have been there for a while, and uh, I just, I don't really, I don't believe this hype in Kyrie Irving. I really don't. I'm sorry. I really wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. You know, I'm going to throw the magic in there for number eight. Bun it. I'm just going to stick to my guns. Bun it. Brooklyn is not making the playoffs. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. I don't, I don't care. Like, Kyrie leading is not it, ladies and gentlemen. It has never gone well. Don't care. Don't care, you know. You can before LeBron got to the Cavs, where were the where were the Cavs at? Lottery picks. Who was leading? Kyrie Irving. Now you can say, oh, he was young. No, 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 no. He was, he was learning the game. Sure, fine, I'll give you that. But Boston, watch Boston be good now. <laughs> and there's only one correlation to me in terms of how that's gonna go down. And it's because Kyrie left. Um, but yeah, uh, 
Western Conference winners. Oh, that's tough. I really... You know what? Clippers. I'm feeling the Clippers. I'm really feeling the Clippers. Their bench is deep. You know, they've got star players now. I really think this is it. I really think they can do it. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Clippers. Outside pick, I really like the Nuggets. Outside pick. I'm going to throw in the Nuggets in there for an outside pick. But I'm locking in the Clippers for Western Conference uh, champions. And visiting them in the finals. (sighs) I... Hmm... I I I'm a, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Milwaukee. I said it last year, and I I I just I just it's a matter of process of elimination in this case in the East because I feel like I feel like the Bucks have gotten a little bit better in terms of the lineup. Giannis can only get better. Toronto, you know, even though they won last night in an overtime game, mind you. Um, Pascal Siakam looks a beast. Fred Van Vliet looks is a baller right now. Kyle Lowry is obviously Kyle Lowry. He always uh, gets it. He he didn't really have a good game to be statistically, but um, last night. But uh, he obviously had like the the dagger, the dagger three uh, to finish the game last night. So he's always you know present to uh, get the job done when it needs to in crunch time. To be honest, he's actually quite clutch if you really want to get into it. But let's not. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't see Toronto making it back. I I don't rate the 76ers at all. Playoff time? Nah, they're they're gonna be nowhere. They're gonna be stuck in the mud. Who's taking that last shot? I re- I'm really put keeping it that simple. Who's taking that last shot? Uh, Celtics. You know what? I'm always I'm always high on the Celtics more than most. But I need to stop lying to myself. Like I can't I can't fathom them in the finals at the moment. I just don't know who's gonna be that number one guy. You know there is Kemba obviously. And he has been the number one for Charlotte Hornets for years, but you know, there's also Tatum, who always want, who's you know, basically a Kobe, uh, a Kobe insider. Um, Jalen Brown's got his new deal; he wants to be balling. Gordon Hayward's trying to ball now. Uh, obviously, past his injury, now he has a, he's had more time to uh, get back on track. You know, I think there's just a lot of people fighting to be that number one, and uh, unless Brad Stevens says emphatically who is number one. I just think it's just going to be a absolute dogfight, and they're just going to trip over each other constantly. Uh, so yeah, I think process of elimination. I'm just going to go Bucks because I f- I found them just the most tight knit as a team. Um, but uh, past that, I was an outside pick. I would. I'm feeling Toronto to be honest. I'm feeling Toronto. I'm re- f- I'm feeling Toronto to be honest. Uh, and uh, outside pick as well. Heat might be Heat baby. <laughs> no, I'm joking. And uh, lastly, NBA champion. Milwaukee Bucks. I said it. I said it. Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks, bro. It's gonna be Milwaukee. Giannis MVP. I think it's it. I really think it's it. I think I was a year or two ahead. I'm going for Milwaukee. It's good. It's gonna be done. It's gotta be done. It has to be done. Let's go Milwaukee. I'm not putting money on this. Screw you lot. No chance in hell I'm putting money on this. <laughs> do not hold me to this. Or do. Regardless, I don't care. But that's it. NBA season is back. I'm just guessing it's back. I'm looking forward to the season. It's going to be absolute, absolutely amazing to watch. Cannot wait.
lastly, the final topic of this episode uh, is uh, going back to life, and it's kind of um, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a link to film and TV because um, recently, obviously, uh, uh, new series uh, Watchmen dropped, obviously based on the uh, graphic novel and sort of film. But actually, Paddy has nothing to do with the film. Uh, they, <laughs> according to most people who've already watched it, I have not watched it uh, yet. I have it recorded below, uh, downstairs below, recorded downstairs. Um, in <laughs> under my feet, the TV's right under me, um, and yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen amazing reviews on the on the episodes that have dropped already, and uh, Regina King looks like an absolute don in it, and uh, she actually shared this particular article that I'm going to uh, just just get into, you know, just a little bit. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go deep into it. I just find it very very fascinating, a uh, very fascinating read, and I believe that you should, guys should really. Just read it too. Uh, it's just one. Of, it's just a recommended read, to be honest. Uh, and yeah, so for those who haven't seen Watchmen, like my, like myself, uh, I think the I think the storyline is uh, like an alternate timeline of sorts, and uh, based upon the uh, Tulsa race massacres of nineteen twenty one, or it's rooted in it's rooted in that. It helps if I watch the show, right? <laughs> it really does help if I watch the show. But anyway, uh, I think that's kind of what the gist is uh, in terms of what, what, what's happening in Watchmen. And uh, yeah, so this particular article is called uh, Tulsa Searches for Mass Graves from a Deadly 1921 Race Massacre. So if you guys have never heard of Black Wall Street or the 1921 Tulsa Massacre, uh, I urge you to look it up because it is a very very fascinating and a very very harrowing uh, piece of American history and just history in general because this is absolutely just crazy to think about um, uh, in especially especially being in the 20th century and uh, yeah it's just it's just crazy. So, uh, the particular the particular article itself is by uh, Denine L. Brown of the Washington Post. Uh, link and all the links uh, for of the articles I've read today will be in the description below. So be sure to read them for yourselves, and obviously draw your own conclusions. Uh, so let's get into this. Just uh, just a little bit. I'm just gonna give you just a little background on it. Nearly 100 years after a deadly race massacre, Tulsa began searching for evidence that victims of one of the country's worst episodes of racial, racial violence were buried in mass graves. On Monday, scientists and forensic anthropologists armed with ground-penetrating radar combed the grounds of Tulsa's Oaklawn Cemetery, looking for anomalies that might be consistent with mass graves. The cemetery, which is owned by the city, is just a few blocks from what is known as Black Wall Street is also the site where, in 1999, renowned forensic anthropologist Clyde Snow led a team of scientists who discovered anomaly bearing, quote, all the characteristics of a dug pit or trench with vertical walls and an undefined object within the approximate centre of the feature, unquote. The Tulsa Race Riot Commission concluded in its 2001 report. Long testimony from witness of the massacre, the report said, quote, this trench-like feature takes on the properties of a mass grave, unquote. Uh, the commission recommended excavation, but the city decided not to dig for physical evidence. Why? Why? Why would you not? It's just logical, like, dig for the friggin' grave. Last year, Mayor G.T. Bynum uh, announced that he would reopen the investigation into mass graves, calling it a murder investigation. The announcement followed a Washington Post story about uh, the unresolved questions surrounding massacre. 
We owe it to the community to determine if there are any mass if there are mass graves in our city. Uh, we owe it to the victims and their family members. For decades, few people in Tulsa spoke about the massacre, which began May 31st, 1921, when a white mob descended on Greenwood, a prosperous business district often called uh, Black Wall Street. In 48 hours, the mob burned hundreds of black-owned businesses and homes. Historians believe as many as 300 black people were killed and 10,000 were left homeless. Witnesses recounted seeing men, women and children shot, some while trying to escape burning houses. Survivors also described seeing bodies tossed in the mass graves. The city said in a statement that it would use ground-penetrating radar to investigate Oaklawn Cemetery, New Block Park and Rolling Oaks Memorial Gardens, which was once known as Booker T. Washington Cemetery. Deputy Mayor Amy Brown said the city had established a public oversight committee to oversee the investigation. It is made up of historians and scholars, including Scott Ellsworth, author of Death in a Promised Land, the Tulsa Race Riot of 1921. If there are mass graves linked to the massacre, the city plans to work with the oversight committee to decide the next steps as it relates to storing remains, DNA testing and genealogical research and commemorating the grave sites and honouring the remains. So yeah, that's basically the gist of the particular article in question. Uh, This is something that has been going on for a very, very long time. There have been a lot of studies towards it and obviously there was a report in 2001 uh, dedicated towards it. Um, you know, I'm just, I don't know whether it's just they want to time it well, of, uh, oh, we it's, a, it's been a hundred years and we finally did it, you know, it's just like, just, just get it done, you know, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, I'm going to see Watchmen and I'm going to, uh, give a little report back because I found this very, very fascinating and once I saw people on Twitter talking about it and obviously Regina King herself, uh, sharing this particular article, I was just mad interested in it, and uh, I can't wait to watch it because it looks uh, very, it looks very intriguing. Um, I've, I'm not really, I'm not educated in the graphic novels at all. I don't really know, and I've obviously seen the film, but I kind of see it in a, uh, a very basic lens. I'm not really, again, I, th- I feel like it's one of those things where you need to at least have knowledge of the graphic novel to understand what's going on. Uh, but regardless, uh, it looks like good TV, and uh, yeah, I'm going to give that a go, and uh, and uh, let me know if you're going to see that, as, uh, see Watchmen as well, and uh, give your thoughts on that, and also the Race Massacre as well, because that's uh, kind of the point of the whole reason why I'm talking about this. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been what's good. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this particular episode. It's been a been a yeah, reasonably re- 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 real decent one, and obviously very free flowing in terms of. <laughs> Tons of my uh, NBA predictions. But yeah, uh, from uh, the Fifth M Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor. This has been Moss Good. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. Uh, interlude music is visited by Poldor. You can find all their music uh, via Bandcamp link in the description below Below for both of them. Uh, thanks to Chill Hop Records for the ability to use, these, uh, to use this music. You can also find their Bandcamp link in the description below. And yeah, I hope you all have a good week, ladies and gentlemen. I shall try and always do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.